So welcome to another episode of the Marketer's Edge, a series designed to share senior-level marketing perspective about marketer challenges, opportunities, and agency relationships. Our goal is to help marketers and agencies learn from other marketers across different industries. Today, we're talking with Amanda Parker-Woolery, the Marketing Director for Organized Living. Organized Living offers high-quality, innovative storage and organization products for single-family builders and multifamily professionals. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us today. How have you been? Great. Um, going on vacation next week, so I can't complain. Things are going well. There you go. Outstanding. Where are you headed? Um, we're going to fly into Boston, and then we're going to drive up to Maine to Bar Harbor and have as many lobster rolls as we can along the way. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I've got a couple of kids in Boston. That part of the country is just absolutely beautiful, especially this time of the year. So I hope you, you turn it all off and really enjoy it. Thank you. I appreciate it. So um, I've got a small handful of questions for you, but I thought maybe before we do that, if you could tell us a little bit about Organized Living, its history, your role in the organization, so our listeners know what kind of company it is and, and what you do for them. Perfect. Yeah. So I am the marketing director, but I oversee not only marketing, but also product development and then e-commerce. So the largest part of our business is B2B. Um, so selling to dealers who then sell to their market members, but that e-com business is a good part of our business as well. So selling direct to consumers, um, organized living. When I started seven months ago and I was looking for a job caught my eye just because of the rich history. And I don't think people understand how rich of a history that organized living actually has. We're a 103 year old company and we are third generation oh, wow. family owned. So I know it's like, you don't, you don't think about that because that's so rare nowadays to not get <laughs> bought up by somebody bigger. Right. But, but um, I think it's great. It, it allows us yeah, to pivot great. really quickly and make great decisions. Um, so we actually started 103 years ago as the Schulte company and we were manufacturing brass yeah. fixtures and that just kind of evolved over time from metal casting um, into then storage and organization, but at the forefront has always been innovation through everything that we do. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I know that the Schulte company bought the brand Organized Living after the Organized Living company uh, kind of fell into bankruptcy in 05. I'm, I'm curious, can you tell our listeners about maybe about the steps that you, the parent company Schulte had to take to kind of build the brand back up and instill, you know, renewed mm -hmm. confidence in uh, customers and consumers. Um, exactly. So in 2005, Organized Living did file for bankruptcy. We didn't acquire the name until 2012. Um, but we were actually their okay. shelf providers. So you could think of Organized Living very similar to the container store. They had a handful of retail um, locations. And Schulte was a manufacturer. So we sold primarily at that time also to dealers. But that was one um, brick-and-mortar store that we sold to. So then after they filed for bankruptcy, we waited a while and then acquired the name when it became available. Um 
The great thing is Schulte has been a trusted brand for a very long time. There might be some of your listeners that can go into their pantry and look, and it might be actually Schulte products. Um, So that part of the transition was really easy. It was more so buying the name, creating the URL, and then creating that awareness that we moved from being Schulte to organized living. Um, For a while, when we first acquired the brand, we did dabble into retail space for a little bit um, and decided that just wasn't for us. That's a whole nother can of worms, and we were primarily a B2B company. So then we did... um, did shut down the retail end of it. There was only a couple retail spaces to really focus on our dealers. So we really believe in um, providing strong support to who we sell to. So we didn't want the retail end of it to take away from the support that we provide our dealers. So that's why we just changed the focus of it and stayed primarily B2B. I'm curious, um, prior to you acquiring the brand and maybe prior to the bankruptcy in 05, was a brand uh, primarily B2B or was a primarily a B2C brand? What what did it look like back then? Um, organized Living or Schulte was B2B. Yes. Organized Living yes. was B2C. Oh. So they had, I don't remember exactly how many retail locations they had, but they were primarily more like the container store where they actually had retail stores. So part of purchasing that name was acquiring some of those retail locations. But as you probably know, Mark, that takes a whole a lot of different bandwidth that we didn't want to stretch our resources out on. Um, so we just decided that part of the yeah. business wasn't for us after the acquisition. Makes sense. You you talked about you know really effectively supporting your dealers. Can you uh, talk a little bit about sort of the ways in which you try and do that and and give them the things that they need to help represent uh, the brand? Definitely. So I, that's one of our biggest points of difference um, with our competitors is the support we offer the dealers. Not only from training, so we have an entire training department, and we have something called Organized Living University where we will train dealers from the ground up, not only from installing our product, but how to sell our product, product positioning, you name it, anything that they need, we try to support them. So that's the training aspect, but then we have what's called dealer support. So we sell nationwide and also in Canada, we have dealers all over. Um, So we have a different dealer support specialist that will support the dealers within that region. And they can support anything from ordering to helping with designs. But then there's also another facet of our business um, that's business development, but really it's business development for our dealers. So you think we sell to our dealers, but our dealers are working with home builders, they're working with architects, they're working with owner developers. So we help them by providing that business development end to make relationships happen between them and a new builder, them and a new owner developer. So we have a really hands-on approach um, that makes us really unique compared to a lot of our competitors. Yeah, that's that's in, that's interesting. Are you are you marketing to builders and and you know architects and things like that to to yeah. get them to connect up with your dealer network? Or are you do you have a Salesforce that goes out and tries to sell these people on making those those uh, relationships happen? 
both and all of the above. So 100%. So a lot of our digital marketing strategies are geared towards what we call our market members. So our market members are our builders, our architects, our owner developers, our general contractors. Um, So we have digital marketing campaigns for them, but then we also have um, business development within our company that also goes to events to talk Hmm. specifically to those market members and see what their needs are and bring that knowledge back to help improve everything we do for not only our market members, but then for our dealers working with those market members. That's that's great. That's great. Do you uh, do all that work, that digital advertising work internally, or do you use external resources to help support that? That's a great question. So we, you're you're catching us a little bit, possibly in flux. Um, so I will tell you, in my former life and my former job, we did a lot of that internally. So I got to see a lot of those workings, okay. learn how it's done. Right now, we do have a partner um, where the agency really works within the building industry, so they understand what we're up against and what we're doing. Um, so that relationship's great, but there is talk of like, as things change, is it possible that we want to bring that in-house? And the benefits of bringing it in-house really is the ability to pivot. Um, should something change, create campaigns really quickly if we need to. Uh, but I think that's something people have to think about. You have to have that internal support. And there's a lot that goes into that from sure. having creative in-house to having people that can run the ads and manage those, um, that can watch how they're doing, how those conversions are going. So it just depends. Do you have that internally where you can do that or do you not? If you don't, you might want to rely on that outside expertise. So right now we're kind of playing in the middle where right, we have right. a lot of that internally so do we want to add to that team? Okay. Okay. Got it. What kinds of things are, are the external agency doing for you now? So they're doing a lot of our ad placement. Um, they are doing a lot of the analytics okay. tracking. So just pretty much normal digital advertising things, um, primarily in Got Google it. ads. Okay. Okay. What what percent of your business would you say is direct to consumer versus B two B? I would say that that kind of fluctuates, but I would say it sits roughly around five percent mm-hmm. of our business. Um, is that okay. that direct to consumer B two C? Yes. So, and a lot of that is really through. Got I mean, it. that's yeah. primarily through our e commerce. But it's interesting our e commerce as right. well. We build programs inside of there to work with professional organizers or um, we might grow and add some other things to that as well. So direct to consumer, but then also building that professional organizer program. Okay. So as you mentioned, you know, you've only recently come into this position of marketer, marketing director for organized living. I'm curious, just what are some of your goals for the organization? You know, where would you like to see things two to three years out? Um, what, what are your thoughts there? Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is making sure we fully understand our market members. I think we're experts with a lot of them, especially builders, um, owner developers. We want to build our support for architects and the specification process. So we're doing a lot of work towards that. 
Um, but then my goal as well is like to make sure that if an architect is specking, that organized living is listed as somebody that should be specified. Um, so that's a lot of brand storytelling to those architects to let them know that we are the high quality brand of choice when it comes to storage and organization, that we are top of mind. So um, in our competitor set is Rubbermaid, Closetmaid, those are really big names. We're organized living, we're more high value um, and higher quality of a product, but we don't have as big of awareness. So it's really building that awareness to say, okay, if you're thinking of closet made, you should definitely think about organized living as well, especially if you maybe are doing a high-end development since we are more of a high-end product. So that's a big goal for me to um, get that messaging to architects. But then also always in goal to increase conversions. So we wanna drive that traffic of our market members to our website. Hopefully they fill out a contact form um, and then our business development teams right. build partnerships with them. So that's just, of course, always something that we want to do. But then when I was brought in, it's looking at the big picture of everything we're doing from digital advertising, from filling the funnel at the top to how are we messaging them as they go through that sales cycle. So really building that out for each market member and our dealers. So that's going to be a big undertaking um, that myself and the team is going to take this year. That's great. Sounds like there's a, a lot of great potential in the business and um, some good and exciting challenges uh, for the for you and and your uh, the rest of your department. You know, as you kind of look forward, which is uh, which is always fun. Every every day has been fun. A new learning thing, and you are you always have I, one of our. Um, values is to learn, grow, change, and excel. And I truly believe that organized living fully embodies that. We're always trying to get better. Um, a big part of organized living as well, people know about the manufacturing side of it, but they don't also know that we also produce technology um, to help support the closet end of the business. So, and that's something that started in the 90s that just keeps growing and growing. And it'll be exciting to see. Come back to me in a couple of years and you'll get to learn all the ways that we've grown in that sector as well. So the manufacturing end of it, but then also so, the technology end of it. Okay. So, so bringing technology into the organized living sort of offerings um, to mm -hmm. make them be smart smart closets and things like that, I assume. <laughs> well, there's that. And then there's the software end of it. So to support our dealers. So then that way they... Um, oh, I see. Okay. It makes it easier for them to install closets, but then also to monitor their entire business. So there's some great things happening there as well to support the dealers and market members from a software end. That's great. That's great. I'm just curious to you, you guys rely exclusively on your own internal design team to sort of identify, you know, new and exciting ways to, to bring, you know, uh, develop product or, or do you guys sort of go outside for ideas? Just, just curious. 
Well, I guess you could say it's a little bit of both. We are very lucky to have a very smart and innovative CEO and president who's always boots on the ground listening to what's happening next. Um, And he does consult with a lot of people. But we do a great job as well. I talked about our training end. Um, So not only do they train on the product, but they also train on our software. And so we really listen to our dealers, our market members, and take that feedback to make updates to not only our products, but really our software. So um, talking to people if if software is in a development phase to those beta users to make it exactly what they need. Um, And sometimes that happens, but sometimes you hear companies put something out and they really didn't have that user feedback session. And it it doesn't necessarily go well. But going back to our value of learn, grow, change, and excel, it's essential for us to continually have that feedback loop. And I think we do a really great job of that. That's great. That's great. So you, you've got a really solid um, design background. You also bring some quality experience managing creative institutions. Like I think most recently you were at the Art Academy of Cincinnati. You know, I'm just curious, how do you think those experiences um, have or will impact sort of how you manage the marketing of organized living? I think it's funny because when I interviewed for the job, it maybe seemed like an unlikely pairing. Somebody that came from higher education <laughs> and pre- predominantly creative colleges, right? But the thing is, I've taught mm-hmm. interior design, so I understand how to read floor plans. I understand what architects and designers need. So that's very much applicable to the work that I'm doing for architects. Um, also, right. it's kind of funny while working at the Art Academy and it's a school of creatives. It wasn't I didn't necessarily work with creatives every day in my day to day job. I work with more creatives at organized living from UX designers to interior designers, to product developers, and at a broader range of creatives as well. So you don't think that at first, but then you get here and you're like, wow, they're half right. manufacturing company and half kind of a software company. And so you actually work yeah. with a broad yeah. range of creatives. Um, so that's been very beneficial. Yeah. I think one thing that people don't think about, even if you have um, if you know people that want to go to art and design school, they're like, well, what are you going to do with that? Art and design school is all about creative problem solving. And so take that lens and apply it to something else. It's completely applicable. So I look at things from a completely different lens versus somebody that might be like a more traditional fit for this type of role. So I think it's been more beneficial than anybody thought that I have that background um, in more creative fields. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Did Did you think, I'm curious, did you think about that as you were interviewing or did it sort of present itself once you got into the job and realized sort of the multifaceted nature of what you were working in and dealing with? Yeah, great question. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. So a little bit of background when I was looking for other jobs, I was pretty particular on where I applied. I think I applied to three places and I said it was either going to be in agriculture because that was like a passion of mine. Um, Or it was going to be in the building industry because I actually grew up, my father was in the building industry. So I grew up watching this old house. I actually wanted to be an architect for a while, possibly an interior (laughs) designer. 
So it was like I wanted to work in an industry that I was passionate about. So I remember, so we go to this trade show called IBS. Um, It's the International Builder Show. Uh And I just remember being there and you get to see all of these um, different manufacturers in the building industry. And I just like geeked out. Like I felt like, oh, I'm home. This is where (laughs) I need to be. This is what I grew up being passionate about. And I love marketing because there it's storytelling, go. which is very creative. Um, right. Storytelling with analytics because I am very data driven as well. So, so taking that, but then taking <laughs> you are very complex. About, <laughs> <laughs> it, seemed like, it seemed like a perfect fit. Yeah, <laughs> my husband probably says that as well. <laughs> Uh, that's funny well that's great what a what a great story what a great story that's fantastic and it's it uh you know i always always say we spend so much time working uh it's it's important that you like what you do and and find it enjoyable because uh so that's that's really great to hear I've, i've got just um two more questions for you uh curious any advice that you'd give you, you've, you've worked with agencies, so I'm just curious, any advice you'd give to marketers thinking about bringing a new agency on board? I think the number one piece of advice, well, there's two pieces, I guess. One would be to make sure to thoroughly vet the agency because that is a relationship. It's just like if you were hiring a person, you had to work with them every day. So you want to make sure that they are a good fit and they meet your needs. So do not be afraid to ask the agency for recommendations or do some online research to see who they've partnered with. I've definitely reached out to other marketing directors, marketing VPs to say, hey, what are your thoughts on this agency? Um, Did it work well? Mm -hmm. Did they not work well? Um, So I would say that's a big piece of it. And then make sure you onboard them well, right? They're there to solve your problems, but they really need to understand your brand thoroughly. And so that is your part that you need to do to make sure that they are caught up to speed on who you are and what you offer and who you market to. So don't think you just bring an agency on and all of a sudden all the work can happen and everything's gonna be great. Um, you have to be a good teacher and a good liaison during that transition as well. Yeah, that, that's that's great advice. I've I've talked to a lot of marketers like yourself, and that's the first time I've I've heard that advice given. And I would imagine that you know it is a two way street, and so you know I think in order for a relationship to be successful, um, you know. A- agencies need to be smart in how they operate, but mm-hmm. you know you definitely need the marketer to recognize that they're, like you said, not just going to come in and and understand the business and be able to add some real value. So taking that time uh, is is some great advice, and I think would be hugely helpful. And it's probably never too late to do that. I would imagine that if a, a marketer has an agency on board and is listening to this interview, you know, it's never too late to take the time and maybe. Uh, school them again on, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the ins and outs of the business. So, um, so that, that's great. No, I like your advice. It's almost like having a check-in, like every six months, like let's do a check. Where do we feel like we're at? Where do you feel like you are with understanding the business? And where are we at with feeling like we're getting what we need out of this relationship? I love that idea. Well, thank you. <laughs> um 
So last question is if an agency were trying to knock down your door and attempting to win business from you, uh, what advice would you give that agency? I will give this advice based off of some past experience. Um, I think sometimes it's easy for people looking for an agency to get caught up in the show and tell. Um, and that might be the people you meet on the front end that are the salespeople. Um, or maybe you get to see the agency and you get caught up with what the agency looks like and all of that. You really need to think about that correct fit. So, so making sure that what is actually being presented is what you're going to receive on the opposite end. And I, what I would say for the agency is don't oversell. Like it's great to send your best people that can put on the best performance, but if you can't deliver at the end, that's going to only hurt the agency, not only with that particular partnership, but then when they go to refer you or not refer you to somebody else. So I've had that in past experience. So making sure what you say you're going to do in the front is what you are truly going to deliver on the back end. Actually going to deliver. Yep. Yep. And, and if I were an agency and, and was trying to call you and you made the mistake of answering the phone, um, what, what would I have to say to you to <laughs> convince you that it was worth your time to just sit down and talk to me? Oh, that is such, that's a great question because, you know, you get cold called all the time. Um, you need to provide something that I feel as though is going to make my life easier. So if you're giving your elevator pitch, okay. how are you going to make my life easier? So instead of going on and on about what a great product you have, you probably do, but tell me within those first 10 seconds hey, Amanda, I'm going to make your life easier by X. And our product does this or our agency does this in this particular way. I'm always trying to find ways to streamline my work, do smarter work, have better intelligence, all those sorts of things. Um, so hopefully in the first 10 seconds, they talk about that. Yeah, that's great. That's um we, we represent a number of agencies on the agency new business side. And that, that counsel is counsel we often give to our agency clients. Is, you know, most agencies just step in and start talking about themselves. And mm -hmm. uh, it's the agencies that can, you know, show you, the marketer, how they're going to bring value to you. You know, like you said, how they're going to make your life easier. Uh, not everybody takes the time to do that. So I think that's great counsel. But um well, listen, um, Amanda, really appreciate you making the time today. Um, I, I thought it was a great exchange. I, I know we've had some fits and starts in getting this book, so I'm glad that we, we finally had the opportunity to connect up and uh, certainly wish you all the best. Uh, it sounds like you've got a, a, a great business and a, a, you know, you're in a great role um, with some real super opportunity. So wish you all the best. And, and thanks again for making the time today. And have a great vacation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Love talking to you.